Welcome to another Canberra Times Sport Podcast. I'm David Polkinghorn. With me is Caden Helmers. Another big week of sport in Canberra. Um, I guess we've got a, a super weekend, hopefully, of sport with the Brumbies and Raiders in town. Caden, what's getting you excited? Well, pretty much the Knights coming to town is getting oh, me pretty excited. <laughs> Watch their first loss of the season. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Well, probably, but mm. I'm not. I thought uh, they were <laughs> fired by Pierce. Now they can't. They can't lose. They're going to make the eight. All that sort of thing. When they come, you wouldn't want to lose from here. Um, I guess maybe starting off with the the Brumbies. The Brumbies uh, will play the Durban Sharks at Canberra Stadium on Saturday. Uh, they're coming off a disappointing loss uh, to the Melbourne Rebels, losing thirty-three to ten after leading and having the better of the opening exchanges. And uh, Dan McKellar obviously wasn't overly impressed with the um, with the performance last yeah, week. He's, he's uh, taken a big axe to the team. He's swung the axe about, that's for sure. He's made six changes to the team from last week. So Kyle Godwin gone completely, which is a bit of a surprise, the, the one-test wallaby. Yep. Um, Christian Liliofano goes to 12. Faranui Hawera comes into 10. And he's basically... Dan McKellar said that he wants people to take their opportunities. He's sick of seeing them waste their opportunities. So he's hoping that 10 and 12 combination can kick the Brumbies into gear, I suppose. Yeah, and I guess um, obviously a few of the other people who have been omitted, uh, he wasn't, uh, we didn't think that they were taking those chances. Um, I think, what, well, pardon the pun, but it's a chance Penny is one. I think he's out of the out of the 23 completely, I think, with uh, Lousy Taliuli. Um, coming in on on the wing. Um, what are the other changes uh, that uh, Dan announced out there at uh, Brumby Park? Blake Enover comes in for his first start of the season for Sam Carter, so he's out with a head knock he got last week against the Rebels. They're just going to monitor him. He's got to tick all the boxes and hopefully be right for the Waratahs in a couple of weeks. Uh, Falau Fainga makes his run-on debut for Josh Manray, who's injured. And Andy Muirhead in for Tom Banks, which is, uh, I suppose, another surprise. Tom Banks re-signed last week, and uh, Muirhead, McKellar expects Muirhead will take a bit of the pressure off the, the 10 and 12 this week as a bit more of a link man. All right, and um, well, I guess the, uh, you pointed out before the interesting one with uh, Christian switching um, from uh, fly half to inside centre with uh, Faranui Hawera coming in. Uh, to take the number 10 jersey. Um, I guess um, perhaps sort of just helping Christian um, find his feet a bit better after uh, obviously a, a long layoff. Yeah, I think so. And as well as like, he's going to be able to get the ball to the edges a lot more. I think now Henry will get one-on-ones, Kurudrani will get one-on-ones, that sort of thing. So you get the ball to those guys and they can do some damage where that probably hasn't been the case so far this year. It seems to be sort of getting stuck uh, a little bit on the inside a bit so yeah I think um, Christian will just be able to utilize that width a bit more and um, Faranui at 10 can probably take a bit of the pressure on, off him just sort of steering the ship a little bit as well and um, I think I saw that uh, um, someone a little snippet somewhere saying that uh, they need to get the ball, ball more to Tavita Kuradrani which I guess sort of fits in uh, with what you're saying as well perhaps the ball wasn't quite getting to him enough 
Yeah, I think so. And once you get those guys into the game, the Brumbies can be a really damaging outfit. And we just haven't really seen it this year. The attack's been pretty stale and pretty pretty rubbish for, for the most part. So get the ball to those guys and they can do some damage. And I think, yeah, it's, something's got to change because they're what, one and two. The win wasn't convincing. They're 11 points off the pace in the Australian Conference. They're currently sitting fourth in the Australian Conference. So something had to change, and Dan McKellar's hoping for he's got the right mix now. Mm, I guess he's also trying to change up the, the game plan a bit from, um, I guess, what's been become the norm out at Brumby's headquarters over the last few years. He's, he's trying to be a bit more expansive and, um, and, and aggressive, and that quite hasn't, hasn't quite clicked into gear yet. Um, maybe these guys are the, the ones to do it, or uh, there was a little bit of talk about maybe with their uh, rolling mall stuttering at the moment that perhaps instead of kicking for the corner, they might uh, look to take the points and uh, get into that uh, rugby union grind, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out this week. I think one of the most interesting things about it is if it doesn't come off, do you, do you stick with this? Same sort of side next week, or oh well, the bye next week. But then the Waratahs probably stay on the same side for the yeah, bye. Yeah, probably. Uh, but then the Waratahs after that, because that could potentially be a, a really crucial game. And uh, maybe Pocock might be back for the Tars. Is that sort of the the yeah. thinking? Yeah, it looks like he'll be back for that game. He's back at training now with the squad, so full time training. So he's eyeing that game, and yeah, he'd be a massive in as well as Carter for that week as well. Mm. And uh, they've got the Sharks this week. I had a quick quick look at the Sharks. Perhaps it's a, a good time uh, or a good opponent for the Brumbies to have coming all the way across from South Africa. Uh, they've only got the one win, one draw and one loss with their, their, their second in their, in their conference. But their one win was against the Sunwolves. So um, obviously the Brumbies beat uh, unconvincingly. But over in Japan they beat them, whereas the Sharks... Uh, beat the Sunwolves at home. So perhaps a um, bit of form around that, a bit of a, a guideline there that perhaps it, it could be a, a good opponent for the uh, Brumbies to be up against. Yeah, nice chance to get things back on track with a, a new look side, get those guys into winning form early. And um, I've, I've made a note here uh, about Sansa owing the Brumbies a, a few drinks for the, the draw. Um, <laughs> what I mean by that is... For, for years, um, the Brumbies, they ask for basically two things. They don't want clashes with uh, main events in Canberra. They want as many <laughs> afternoon games as possible. You, you could probably set your, your mark a date, whatever date it is, when they send off an email to Sansa, they will, they're the two things they'll ask for. And one of the things they want to avoid is Skyfire. Every year. So, Sansa, in all their wisdom, what have they done? They've given them minimal afternoon games and they're playing on Skyfire night. Is it really that hard to work out? Yeah, you'd think not. And especially, we talk about it all the time, but the year rugby had last year, surely Sansa would think, yep, yeah, alright, let's give these Australian clubs what they want or what we can give them and, and we can try and get the fans back to the games, get them rolling through the gates and get a bit of excitement around rugby again. But it's just, it's ridiculous. Their first home game of the season and they've got a, they've got a battle with, with Skyfire, which I think it's its 30th year. Everyone's up and about. Oh, it's a big one. Oh, it's all happening. Gee whiz. And uh, 
Um, so good luck, good luck to the the Brumbies. They're they're trying a few things. Uh, obviously, uh, their form won't help. The fact that they're playing a team that no one knows who's playing for them at <laughs> all. Uh, they don't even know where they're from. We've got to add the name Durban in front just so people have an idea of where they're from. And uh, now this as well, but. but the Brumbies have got the, the ticket offer with the Raiders fans, so hopefully a few Raiders fans who aren't going to watch the fireworks could uh, can come along um, and have a bit of a look. Uh, it's a, if you're a Raiders member, you get in for free to their game, the Brumbies members get in for you at the Raiders game, and you can buy a, a dual ticket as well if you're a, a non-member. Um, and I guess one guy who said he will be taking up the Raiders membership is uh, Charlie Gubb. Yeah, so not... Not one of the fans that'll take advantage of it, but one of the players. So his his wife, Charlene, is going to be turning out for the Brumbies in the Super W season opener for them. Uh, pretty exciting weekend for, for them too, especially. Yeah. Um, uh, Charlene's uh, an all-black. Uh, she plays for the, the New Zealand women's side. Um, she's a lock, and uh, she's obviously came across when, when Charlie got the job with the Raiders. So... She'll be uh, lacing up for the, the Brumbies and uh, making her debut on, on the same weekend that he's making his debut for the, the Green Machine. Pretty busy week in the house, I think. Yeah, I guess uh, it'll be uh, easy to get along to each other's games. They just jump in uh, the other person's car, right? Your <laughs> turn to drive today. Um, might have to sit around and, and wait for the warm-ups and all that sort of thing. Uh, but then, uh, raring to go. All right, and then uh, I suppose she'll be on hand again for for the Raiders on Sunday against the Knights. Yeah, so they've, uh, as you alluded to, your Knights are coming to Canberra. Um, the Raiders started their NRL campaign with a, a bit of a heartbreaking 30-28 to 28 loss to the Gold Coast Titans last week. Uh, they were, um, what, they were up 28-24 with three minutes to go when uh, Conrad Hurrell barged over. Um, on a on a kick chase to um, to wrap up the biscuits. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty disappointing one to to say the least for the Raiders in round one. Got off to a blistering start. The start of the season couldn't have been any better. Eighteen nil after twelve or thirteen minutes or something like that, and sit back and think, yeah, the Raiders are on fire. They should cruise home here today, but it wasn't to be. Even at half time, they had a twenty four twelve lead, but first 20 minutes of the second half they only had three sets I think it was about 20% of the ball and then they dropped it on one of those three sets so didn't do themselves any favours there they were just giving away penalties and it was just ill discipline that really came back to bite the Raiders yeah and I guess a bit was sort of made about um, I guess it's another close game they've lost I think they lost eight last year by six points or less and uh, this comes on on the back of that. Um, Blake Hoston sort of said, um, "Well, you can you can look at it being, uh, you know, we can't just close out the last five minutes." He, he says, "You know, we, we do need to get better at closing out games, but the problems didn't arise in those last five minutes. They they got themselves back in front. Um, the problems came with that, that twenty minute period after half time where he, he thought that they needed to come out of the sheds." Uh, firing a bit more and that they could have put the, the game to bed then rather than allowing the, the Titans to keep the ball um, and uh, get back into the game. Yeah, the Raiders did have a couple of chances to extend that lead as well. Jared Croker, 
overrun. I think it was a Josh Papali ball and yep. coughed that up. And then Joey Leilua went over the line but had the ball nudged out of his grasp. So they had their chances to, to extend the lead but just couldn't make the most of it. And Yeah, eventually just wore them down, I think, all that defence. And, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the greatest start of the year. No. Um, well, I guess... Uh, how, how do they sort of bounce back from that? I think Ricky Stewart said in the, the post-match press conference that that's probably the, the hardest thing. They obviously showed in the first 10 minutes what, what they can do. Um, they showed in that 20-minute period what they, they need to work on. How do you think the, the boys are going to respond um, mentally this week? I don't think they'll have that much of an issue given it is just the first game of the season. I think they'll come out firing again first game at home against the Knights and I think they've got to be up for it against the Knights. They got over the line in a close one. Confidence is pretty high around there with so many new recruits and a couple of big names on hand there now. So I don't think the Raiders will have much of an issue. I think it would potentially develop into an issue if it happened again a couple of times like it did last year. But for now, I think it's important they just sort of sweep, I suppose not sweep it under the rug, but um, just move on from it and learn from it. What did you sort of make of... Uh uh, their their lineup obviously Sam Williams uh, at halfback, um, Blake Austin started at five eight. You had uh, Saliva Havili starting at hooker, and then Aiden Caesar coming off the bench uh, to give him a chop out. Yeah, I thought Williams was uh, pretty impressive early, taking on the line a fair bit. So hopefully he can continue to do that, and he seemed to steer the side around pretty well, um, especially early on when they got off to a really good start. Because once they're on the front foot, they're hard to stop the Raiders. So uh, Blake Austin, I thought making him start was probably a good option because Aiden Caesar was always going to be the man to go into hooker. So having him fresh, I think, was a good thing there. Um, Blake looked uh, all right with a few a few good runs and some yeah. nice touches. He, he seemed to link up well outside as well. Yeah, he did, and I think um, like that's one thing we sort of saw towards the end of last season when the Raiders started to claw their way back into contention. Blake started to um, play a few good games and as did Aiden as well late last year. So I think uh, it's important that Blake can continue to take on the line and yeah, be a threat because he's, he's pretty handy when he's, when he's firing. And um, Jared Croker uh, looks like, well, he had one final box to tick uh, this afternoon at, at training, but he was pretty confident of, of doing that. So he looks all good to pass his uh, concussion test for the week and be right to play. Uh, Joe Tuppany gone for a, a week or two or three um, after he dislocated his thumb. Um, that sort of makes a bit of a, a shuffle with potentially Elliot Whitehead moving back out uh, to the edge and uh, Bateman coming into the, the middle to, to play lock. That's where where he was named. Um, obviously, they've they've got plenty of depth in those sort of positions, and that that shouldn't really um, affect them too much. I guess uh, Joe's loss. Yeah, I think they'll be they're pretty lucky there. They've got Elliot Whitehead, who's a, an international back rower that can just jump straight back into that spot, and then Luke Bateman can start at lock, and you've got Charlie Gubb coming in to make his club debut, so he can slot in in the middle as well so they've got they've got a few options so I don't think while Tarpany's a, a loss like a pretty mm-hmm. substantial loss I, I think they'll be able to cover him pretty well another international uh, second rower as well so um, 
coming to town, your uh, your main man, uh, the the new hero of Newcastle, Mitchell Pearce, uh, kicked the the field goal, I think, to seal yep. seal the Golden Point win round one. They'll obviously be firing off the back of that, and we've seen some pretty good contests, I guess, between the two teams over the last couple of years. Most famously. Um, Jordan Rapana's uh, golden try. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was actually. Um, well, I guess. Um, what are you expecting um, from from the Knights this time around? I think the forwards have got to lift because the Raiders have a, a big pack, and if the Raiders forward pack can get over Newcastle, it's going to be hard for the Knights to to stop. So, I think the the forwards have got to lift from Newcastle. Um, we saw they seem to work really hard, like especially in Golden Point against Manly, the the last ditch efforts and that sort of thing. But they've got to keep charging off the line and shut down the Raiders as early as possible. Otherwise, it's going to be a very tough night out. Yeah. So, uh, what are your? Uh, I guess it's a bit of a a must win game um, for the Raiders now as well. They, uh, there's been, I guess, uh, pointed out a little bit in the, in the preseason that. The start of the season, they had a, a reasonably good draw with Gold Coast last week. Um, obviously, the Knights this week, and then I think the Warriors next week. Um, I guess that that first round loss makes it a bit more important uh, on Sunday. Yeah, pretty important that they can bounce back and get straight back into the winners' circle because yeah, starting zero and two, and then facing the Warriors who shocked a lot of people last week. So and I think Blake Green over there is going to do really good things having someone that can steer the side around a bit more um so sort yeah like what he did for manly last year funnily yeah. enough <laughs> so yeah pretty important that the the raiders bounce back against the knights and well a lot of them seem to be thinking it's going to be another tight one so it could be a, a crucial one in the scheme of their season and um i guess on a a, a somber but a, and also a, a uh, I guess a heartwarming note as well because um, it's uh, it's going to be a bit of a, a tribute game to Kadawario who obviously um, sadly died during the, the pre-season uh, while he was over in Papua New Guinea. Um, the Raiders are flying out his mum and also uh, three of his siblings as well uh, coming over for the game. We've got the, the local PMG community, I think they're called the Canberra Wontoks. Uh, performing as well during the game and, and after the game um, and there'll be a bit of a ceremony out on the field with the two teams just sort of honouring Cardo's life um, and, and I guess a, a lovely little tribute that the, the Raiders are paying um, to Cardo and, and his family. Yeah, a really special one for everyone involved at the club and PNG Rugby League, everyone that knew him, he seemed to be a, a ball of fun sort of around the club, everyone seems to have remembered him really fondly like that always had a smile on his face and that sort of thing so it'll be really emotional day for the Raiders and a really special one for everyone as well yeah so uh, um, feel free you can still donate to uh, the Raiders GoFundMe page just uh, google Cardo Audio and um, uh, GoFundMe and you should be able to find that um, Com Games uh, I guess that's sort of coming closer and closer less than a month now uh, the Diamonds are at the AIS, their second home, um, getting ready for that. And it uh, looks like Laura Geitz, um is uh, set to make a few waves, hopefully, at the Com Games. Yeah, massive in for, for the Diamonds. So, defending gold medalists. 
yes. Yeah, so, and I think they said today or yesterday that they're, they're not feeling any pressure about that either. So I suppose that's the way you want to approach things. You don't want to heap all that pressure on yourself. So, yeah, it'll be good to see how they can go on the Gold Coast. Um, I guess the... Uh, the reason there's pressure on them is because uh, they're the, the best in the world. Um, they see themselves as that. They're, they're, uh, potentially, maybe, there's uh, the, the team closest to them would be England, I guess, potentially, um, with maybe the, the Kiwis slipping back a little bit um, in that regard. Um, but it'd be great to see uh, Laura do really well and, and get back in uh, into the Diamond side. She's, uh, I think, taken, or she had time off to have a, a baby and spend about 15 months out of the game so uh, that would be a massive effort. Um, the seven sides were named today as well, Shani Layton and Lewis Holland, uh, the two um, Canberrans I guess in in the side um, Shani the co-captain and uh, she'll be looking to add another gold medal around her neck uh, a Commonwealth Games one to go with her Olympic Games one. Yeah, pretty storied career for Shani. The <laughs> she a me- mechanic, mechanic or something? Yeah. Line. So, um, yeah, really interesting to see how they can go because the both the Australian sides seem to thrive on on home soil. So if they can both get up for for a Commonwealth Games, I think it'd be pretty special special for Australian rugby. Did the men win the? Um, Sydney Sevens, yeah. Sydney Sevens, yeah. So I guess that bodes well. Lewis Holland, I think, is the captain of the, the men's team too. Um, I guess there's a couple of ring-ins in Stannard and Parahi who have both spent time in Canberra as well. They're also in the men's team. Um, so hopefully we'll be uh, discussing their ride to gold coming up. Um Local cricket grand final finally underway. Yeah, the cricket ACT Douglas Cup grand final begins Friday, goes through till Sunday, depending on how it all pans out over the first couple of days. So that's Eastlake against Western Creek Malonglo out at Chisholm Oval. They Eastlake usually play at Kingston, but they've lost the oval to footy already, so uh, they've had to relocate out to Chisholm. Um, it's just like the Sheffield Shield. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, send everyone away from the Adelaide Ovals down to Glen Elg and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, really interesting to see how this one pans out because Creek have been in every final for the past 100,000 years. Uh, they haven't always had the success. Uh, John O'Dean and Blake Dean both coming off double centuries last week. They've got the best batting lineup in the competition. But Eastlake have been just so consistent all season. They probably, by their own admission, probably didn't think they'd make the final um, probably halfway through the season but they've been really consistent and able to uh, pull off a comprehensive semi-final win over Norths last week so yeah really interested to see how things pan out there. And um, I guess the, the question on any, everyone's lips is will anyone else except for the Dean brothers bat at all during this grand final? Well that's just about what happened in the semi isn't it? Western Creek scored nine for 668 against Queanbeyan and so they they did that over two days and then Queanbeyan thought well yeah we won't even worry about trying to chase that down so (laughs) they shook hands pretty early on um yeah so Jono 205 Blake 291 so yeah bowlers from Eastlake have got a big job on their hands 
Mm, hopefully not all 11 members of Eastlake are required to have a trundle. Um, tomorrow, Michael Milton is a, uh, a six-time Winter Paralympic gold medalist. Um, he's trying to set a world record tomorrow at an AIS track on Friday, quarter past one. He's trying to break the five-kilometre record for uh, someone on crutches. He's um, got to beat, I think it's 32 minutes and 55 seconds from from memory, but he wants to go even better than that. He wants to break the 30-minute uh, mark. Um, but I guess more interestingly, uh, he's joined the chorus of um, Winter Paralympians, who are, I guess, a bit disappointed with Channel 7's coverage of the games that are on at the moment over in Korea, although you might not notice uh, unless you're sitting at home at 11 a.m. in the morning watching highlights packages or sitting up at 11 o'clock at night watching the previous night, some stuff that's happened more than 24 hours earlier, a highlights package then. Um, I guess in the modern age, it probably deserves better than that. Yeah, what have they got, like four or five channels? On, on yeah, well, none of them have got uh, the power. Oh, they've got highlights packages that are 24 hours old on them. But surely you could find a spot for for a bit more coverage at least. Maybe you don't have to cover it wall to wall, but something better than a highlights package in the morning and at night. Maybe they could uh, show the medals that we're winning over there as well. Uh, our first gold medal at a Paralymp- uh, Winter Paralympics in. 16 years. Michael Milton was the last man to do that. I think it was Salt Lake City in 2002. Uh, Obviously no one saw that live unless you were tracking down a stream somewhere where someone was live streaming their own television from their (laughs) European lounge room or perhaps even their New Zealand lounge room where you can actually watch the Winter Paralympics. Australia's behind the eight ball. Cheers brah but uh, (laughs) no good across this side of the ditch. Josh Armstrong today, he's been picked in the New South Wales men's team. He's the Canberra golfer. He'll um, be playing in the Nationals for New South Wales in Adelaide in May. So his career just keeps ticking over and um, we're just sort of, I guess, getting closer and closer to hopefully uh, him taking over the mantle from Brendan Jones and Matt Miller and uh, going off and and winning tournaments on on the world stage. Does he have a name like Miller type? Um... Yeah. Got to give him something. Armstrong time. <laughs> I've got we'll nothing. workshop that one. Feel free to get in touch with us here at the Canberra Times Sport, either on Twitter or send us an email. Give us a call if you manage to track down our numbers, but not too late. And uh, I think that's all from me. That's all from me. Have a good week and a great weekend.